Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Rules. I am Stephen Batista, and with me is the handsome Honduran himself, Mr. Carlos Doma. How you doing, buddy? I am doing fantabulous. How about yourself? Oh, fantabulous. I haven't heard that one in a while. I love the wrestling season, so I'm doing good as far as uh, when it comes to our trade. Wrestling is very fulfilling, almost in an immediate way. Uh, I feel like with baseball, there's a build, you know, to like midseason to playoffs, at least for me. I've had more moments to learn in this first few weeks of wrestling than I've had in any other season officiating. I'm sure we'll get into it. What about you? How how are you doing? Yeah. You know, I've been in my season since November. So um, I love this. This is, uh, you know, this and baseball, my two favorite. And, uh, you know, it's one and one A. And a lot of traveling, not being uh, in the past. I was a lot more in the city, but now traveling and seeing different styles of wrestling and a lot of funkiness. My eyes is just, it's just now adjusting uh, to to uh, some of that funky stuff, which causes me to hold until someone definitively is in control. So, yeah, uh, I'd love mm. to see that. I'd love to, I like to see that all the time. I want to jump in on that with that specific, because you, exactly what you said, waiting for control. Absolutely. So for the people listening and aspiring referees to wrestling, it is paramount to understand when control is uh, established. One of the unique things about officiating wrestling amongst other sports is we're the ones who administer the points. Not many sports where you as a referee as the one who is judge me judging in that way where that's a takedown. And according to you, you're the one who puts the points up. It's not like um the judgment of a, a plate umpire to see that the run scored. Yeah, he has to judge that if the runner touched the plate. But other than that, it's not up it's not like as judgmental, you know, the ball goes in the net, etc. So I had a match on Staten Island, and it was Susan Wagner versus Tottenville. And Staten Island, there's more full teams. Uh, I sat in the coach's office with John Shoshone and Gary White, who are great coaches. I know them well. Hopefully, they're on the podcast soon. John, I've been chasing him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just to, like I say, break my hand, pat myself on the back. It was uh, the first match. There was a, a, a scramble, and it was not a moment where the – one wrestler had control and I held my call and in the back of my head, you know, I'm telling myself, this is a good hold, <laughs> you know, it's a good hold. And I could hear chatter from the assistant coach going, that's a takedown, that's a takedown. And Gary backed me up and he was like, no, that's not a takedown. That's a good hold. And you're, you're dealing with one of the best referees in the city. And I'm paraphrasing, but I caught the best referee in the city moment of it. And I was like, oh damn, that's pretty good. Uh, but tragically, <laughs> getting into what most recent occurrence was on the mat. I've been the bringer of death, Carlos. I don't know what it is. I've not had many injuries on the mat, but twice this week, I've had two dislocated patellas. Wow. Wow. Yes. At a tournament at Irvington recently, boom, kids, patella just pops out. And I'm usually, I'm very calm in these situations, not to my own horn, but I, I, I'm pretty calm. And this poor kid was screaming, stopped the match. Luckily, we had a trainer on site. I, I looked at her and I asked, should we call the ambulance? She's like, no. She said it right back. And, you know, his mom was there, thankfully. And that was it. But even more recently, at that match at Wagner and Tomville, kid's about to get cradled. I saw his leg tweak in a way, as cradles can do, especially when you're resisting it. But I thought it was his ankle. 
he starts screaming and he holds his knee and uh, literally the mirror image of a patella I just recently saw what it looked like and I'm like oh my god again like I, I saw the patella out of place but at this time the school didn't have an on-site physician or a trainer and even though I've set shoulders back dislocating mine a couple of times and setting my back I'm I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I know I know what, what it is. A knee's a little different. And um the dad was there. We couldn't set it. We had to call an ambulance. 40 minute delay. And uh yeah, that sucked. So in 11, 12 years of uh officiating wrestling, never had a dislocated patella and had two in one in a span of a one week. You know, it's early in the season and injuries can occur at any time, you know, uh because they haven't had the reps. Yes, they probably are, are you know, had reps in, in practice, but it's another thing when you're competing, you know, it's a contact sport. Things like that can happen. It's just a rare occurrence that you had two of those types of injuries in the same week. So the one at Wagner was the second one. I joked um, just to make it lighthearted. I'm like, man, kids don't drink enough milk these days. And the dad goes, he's allergic to milk. And I'm like, see, I got a little bit of a laugh. Even the kid who was uh I wish I could have set his knee back because, you know, I don't know if to listen to anybody. I wouldn't. From a liability standpoint, No, 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 no. The dad was there. The dad, we were trying. We were like, we, no, I knew we couldn't. Once he straightened it and it wouldn't fall back in, you're not going to touch it anymore. And the dad was there. The dad was there. I was asking. We, we were just, if you could, man, to take that pain away. But obviously, if you can't, then even the paramedics who came in, they they said we have to call our the doctor to, to if we can set it. Like, there's a lot of, obviously, liability. And as Bob Antonio said it, you can't see it, guys. Taking your hands, if you want a little bit of your house, you know, you got to do the the right thing and bow out on those situations. But um, yeah, it sucked, and it it caused a forty minute lull. I'm sure you have those uh, highs, lows, and and times where you're like, okay, I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna drive all the way to goddamn Staten Island, but it's gonna be Wagner and Tomville. They're gonna have a regular duel. They're gonna have a lot of exhibitions. They're gonna pay you a little bit more. Um, and uh, <laughs> It's going to be cool. So, but that this was a third match that happened. And then, boom, 40 minutes, you're low. And I wouldn't say my mind was out of it, but I had to regain like a, it was like if you were running a marathon and you stopped halfway through. And I wasn't even halfway through, I guess like a quarter of the way through. But um, John Chichon, the coach of Tomville, and Gary White, the coach of um, Wagner, two great guys, we went through it and uh, I looked at the parents and I, I joked with them when we got a couple matches left and, uh, you know, shout out to, um, his first name was uh, Greg. I'm not going to say his last name, but I hope you're feeling better, buddy. I gave you a sticker to the podcast, so listen while you're uh, mending. How about you? What's, <laughs> how about what recent events? Uh, so over the weekend, I was working a collegiate tournament and there is no blood time in the college ranks. So a kid just he he developed a match. It's just a rule. I can't. So what do you I, do? I don't know why. So so, of course you there is no okay. So let me rephrase that. There is no maximum blood time. You know, in high school it's five minutes. In college there is no blood. There is no time maximum time. So we just it was a big gash that he got. Just heads collided, and we tried to we stopped the match a number of times, and you know the bandages kept coming off and. We we tape it and what do you call it was a combo. Them? It, do you, it started. Do, do you call no, any time like call, injury or recovery? No, you call blood. You you call for blood, right? But there isn't a five minute rule. There Got is. It. It's, just, it's unlimited. You just so wait to. Right. So yeah, it was it. just 
it got to the point. So it's the head. It was also Real part quick, of the Before mouth. you get to that, would you think that it's because uh, most facility, college facilities have a way to stem the blood and make it so it's not like an ongoing thing? And if, it, if it's, they can assess really quickly if it's something that can't be fixed to call the match? Um, I don't know if that's the reason why. Maybe just a different cadence on the collegiate level. I'm just not sure what the reason is, but there right. is a five-minute time that's, a, that's allotted to it. So it kept delaying the match. So, again, it started with the head, and, and it was the nose and the mouth and the gash, and they kept plugging him up, and it's just it was just an annoyance. And the trainer said, look, I'm going to I'm gonna do this, and if it comes out again, that's it. He's going to have to – she's like, I, I don't have – um, he's going to need stitches. I don't have it with me. So if it happens again, you know, we're going to stop it. So we did it again and bam, and we stopped it. And, you know, unfortunately for him, it was a, a injury default. And so that was, that was the first time I experienced that particular situation in the collegiate level where, you know, it was stopped because of blood. But, um, you know, I think, uh, some of the things you, you mentioned a little earlier, you know, leads to what I wanted to discuss with you. And it's, you know, your goals this season, when you start the season, it's, you know, what do you want to accomplish your goals? You have to have your goals written down and you have to have, you know, how you're going to achieve them. One of the things I do when I go to a match is I keep the rule book with me and I keep this book right here. And in this book, I write down all of the mistakes or things that I have to work on. One of the ones that it's not the Bible, everybody. It's not the Bible. It's, it's yeah. I, I think I think uh, it's one thing like to have your goals and have them in front of you, and you're working towards that every single competition. I think that's important because that leads to growth. When did you start bringing that book? The the second book, obviously. Uh, since last year, I started yeah. bringing a book with me. I want. I, I, I say that because um, I feel like as an official, just an official across the board, every season, not just goal oriented for the sport that you work goal-oriented at just to be an official i have a cooler now i have a, a bag and i have a bag that i wear over my shoulder uh, as a wrestling referee so i can have the rule book and have extra an extra whistle and i think uh i don't know how i did any of that any, any season without these things and it's uh, uh just to stress like it evolve way you become as an official like you now you're you how many years in almost more than 20 years and you have a book now where you're writing down your goals and i would imagine a lot of people who are beginners their goals are more on the micro where they're just trying to get better at being an official where ours we got to be better we want to be better on the macro because we've we've for better or worse and i think for both of us respectfully for better we're very respected officials disagree with us or not we've earned our reputation but now our goals are they got to be bigger and you having a book on, on top of the rule book is very much on brand for beyond the rules. So I just wanted to point that out. So continue. Yeah. Yeah. So it, you know, this year's model and, and th this will sound familiar because you actually said it in one of uh, the episodes is how do we serve? How do we serve the game? How do we serve the match? How do we serve the community? And that starts with, you know, having the fairest, competition you can be fair to both athletes be fair be a, the voice of reason but also be approachable which is one of my biggest goals this year you know and and have um be able to answer you know professionally when coaches have a question and even if they come off a little aggressive don't match that aggression and keep things calm and be able to talk in a professional level 
So, but for me personally, you know, my goals were to chase postseason tournaments, both on the collegiate level and then the high school level. And then, you know, how am I going to do that? You know, how am I going to be able to stay in really good position, slow myself down to give proper cause and mechanics as if I am telling a story, which is, you know, and, and by the way, I do watch my, my matches, right? I do have a uh, spare phone that I use just for recording matches. I have a small tripod, so I set it on a table and I record it and I go back and watch it to see, okay, where was I? You know, was I in a good position to see the, the angles, everything I needed to see to make a call all the way through to giving great signals. And if I'm calling a stalling, I take my hand and go straight up and hold it up to giving, administrating the choice and defer. So I want to watch everything I possibly can and review those funky situations. And when it gets, when you get those scrambles, I want to make sure, okay, did I hold it, hold enough? And then was I crisp and confident with that call? And that's what I constantly do. Crisp and confident with the call. Triple C right there. Crisp, yeah. confident, call. Yeah. Wow, there we go. That's a that's a fucking t-shirt. Uh Drew. That's a t-shirt. Write that down. That's write it. that down. Keep that in the podcast so, too. Write that down. Trademark. So one of the things I wanted to tell you and, and discuss is my pregame. And my pregame before we get into the sportsmanship speech is I'll introduce myself, you know, say first and last name. I want to go over what the expectations are, you know, what you can expect from me and what I can expect from you. And it starts with those those two lines on the mat, right? When we when you step on a, the green or red line, you're telling me you're ready to wrestle. And as such, once I blow the whistle, you know, you're going to do everything possible to keep action and work in big cylinder, right? And I'll say that throughout the match. Next, I address, hey, we go to rear standing. If you lift your opponent up, it's your responsibility to bring that opponent down safely even if the buzzer goes off you can't just let go of your opponent and they fall down and get hurt you are responsible uh, i also talk about rear standing and a trap arm if we get to a trap arm situation i am going to stop if they don't know what that is i i'll grab someone and kind of display it and if we get there once you get to your feet because a lot of that will start from top and bottom if you get to your feet and there's a trap arm i'm going to stop it for potentially dangerous i talk about situations with stalling okay first of all when we go top and bottom i'm going to set the defensive guy down on the mat first and then once he's set i'll tell the top man the offensive wrestler to get on in the top the offensive position now i'll tell them bottom man your job is to work to build a base and try to work to get a reversal or an escape that's your job the offensive wrestler, your job is to work towards a breakdown and now work out, come out to the side to work for near fall or pin. If at one point in the match, the first time, if that becomes a situation where no one's advancing, then the first one I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to stop it and say, you know, stalemate, first one's on me. If I have to blow the whistle again because we got into that scenario, it's either going to be the offensive wrestler or the defensive wrestler. And so this way we can now know who is call, causing the stalling action. By addressing that early, now they understand what I'm looking for. And I also get them say, hey, is that fair? 
And once they say that's fair and they understand, now there's no going back. We're moving forward. And you kind of set the precedence as to how the flow of that match is going to happen. I got a couple of notes on uh, everything that you said. I want to be as frank as possible. If I were a wrestler, I would, on at least on a high school level, I don't know. I fell asleep in, you, in your pre-match. If I was a wrestler, especially a senior or somebody who knew. And I say that bluntly because that's what you would do to me. And uh, because I've learned the pre-match from, from my experience, too. I'm like, granted, you've done – do you do this for college? Do, do, do you talk to a teach team individually in college? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. And then, then maybe I can understand it a little bit more because their investment is way more where it's like film study for them. They can conceptualize everything that you're saying a little more without a full fucking PowerPoint. I've learned, at least in my experience, when it comes to varsity, when it comes to New York City wrestling, even the good teams versus the whatever the fuck teams, makeshift teams, you know, without naming schools, you know what I mean. I've learned that the basics, that's what's paramount to my speech. And I'll give you my speech and I'll, I'll, I'll say it over the air. I get the team together. I say at the beginning of the match, you shake hands. At the end of the match, you shake hands. I say, explain how clasping is overlapping or interlocking hands under the under both arms. And when you have control, there's no reaction time. If you're neutral, you take a guy down, there's a reaction time. I explain to them if I used to grab a kid and, and explain it, but I ask if there's any questions on it. And I get a confident yeah when I do it. And then I go over headlocks and I say, I simply say, headlock, what do you need to make it legal? Everybody says arm. And I said, can you conceptualize that in your mind? Yes. Okay. Moving on. Slam. You can slam a wrestler. Everybody, you can slam a wrestler, but you can illegally slam him. And I explained that as if you do a push up, the same concept, you pick yourself up with control bring the person back down with control. You just don't flop on a push-up and you don't slam yourself into the ground as a push-up. Bring the guy back down with control and that will be a legal slam. Doesn't mean you need to stop being aggressive, but figure it out. That's when your athleticism comes into play. Your athleticism and your judgment. And I have to adjudicate properly. And I say that. Bottom man, knees behind, hands above. Knees behind what? Hands above what? The lines. Yes, okay. Boom. Top man, either both knees down, far leg up, or near near leg down. I even say sometimes, if you put two knees down, you're an idiot. Belly button, elbow. Top man, wait till I say set. Far leg down, near leg down. If you're an idiot, put both legs down. That's legal. Belly button, elbow. Wait till you hear the whistle. If you're both neutral, the object is to take your opponent down. If you took your opponent down, the object is to pin him. If you got taken down, your object is to get up. I will recognize when you're not doing any of those things, and I will penalize you for stalling accordingly. Any questions? Okay. And I say all that because I used to have a long list of things where, you know, uh, I felt like the five minutes that I talked to them, the less than five minutes I talked to them now, 
is more heard than the five plus minutes of me giving them a lot of information where whatever I said in the first two minutes is going to be lost. And it's not like something that you're going to fix anyway, right? Uh, on your level, you want to get into the intricacies of college. Yeah, because these guys want to know. They want to know all the advantages they could take. They're listening on an adva advantageous thing where I feel like on varsity, high school level, especially in New York City, you're giving them instruction. You're not giving college guys instruction. You're telling them what they can do. And they're like, okay, here's all the things we can do within the rules. Varsity and 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 then you're giving them more information. So I, I, I'm more delicate on how much they get because I don't want to overwhelm them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Look, I think uh, I think there's times that F, you know referees can have a, a long drawn out speech, you know, and and I've heard that some of them can take you know a long time. I usually get the message out in three to five minutes. Just let them know, hey, well, you know, words that are used in wrestling: escape, reversal, build the base, you know, uh, build mm -hmm. up, come out to the side. Yeah, we were both talking because... about like the goals, right? Like if you're down, you got to get up. If you're on top, you got to pin them. You know, well, like yeah, I, I I tell them, yeah, you, you know, if you're if you're the defensive wrestler, you have to build your base. If you're the offensive wrestler, you got to come out to the side and work for near work to score. Pins. Work to yeah. score. And so, you know, during the match, you know, I, I will say improve. You know, if you get working to if your you know actions going towards the edge, I'll say, hey, work to work in the cylinder. You know, things like that. Um, but I'm I use a lot of prompts because, especially from the neutral position. You know, I always think about safety and what we, what can you see, you know, most likely is a slam. So, you know, on a high school level, I'll say safe, easy, just to get in the head. If they if they go beyond that and cause an illegal slam in which, you know, the chest um, area hits before the knees, you know, that's, that's the rule, mm. um, then you can, that's how you can kind of tell whether it was illegal or not, you know. So chest is that that's a written down rule, but also. I don't know if it's explicitly stated if you pick a guy up and you just let him fall. Well, yeah, and, and they get injured. And that's why I say that's the reason why I say safe, easy, because yeah. it's control. That, give them that extra extra thought. That, hey, I got to control that person down. And whether the buzzer goes off or not, the buzzer goes off. You let them go and they get hurt. That's still on you. You're responsible for their safe return. So, you know, those are the types of things I like to say just because from a safety perspective and once we do that as i'm doing that by the way i'm also checking skin and nails and this way i'm kind of going down the line and, and my voice is loud enough that i can project out and uh and i ask them do you have any questions if not good luck coach are they properly equipped ready to go mm -hmm. you know while one team is warming up then with team e, uh, a is finished warming up i'll go to team b do the same thing and by the time I, i'm done with that you know the team is halfway done and we're ready to rock and roll you know, I think those those types of things are important. You know, the rule in there, there are other rules on a college level, especially when they're going close to out of bounds and you're going to make one or three calls when someone is the action stops. So the whistle is blown because they're out of bounds. You're going to either call stalling on A, stalling on B or action. And that being said, if wrestler B, he's on the edge and he's allowing himself to get pushed back not, while not trying to circle back in and he allows he's okay with his opponent pushing him out, then it's going to be a guy who's got pushed out. It's, it's stalling on you. It's clear. You know, and, mm -hmm. and those are the types of things you have to address. And then in the rule book up until last year, all top man really had to do was in, in college was, was you know, break the guy down. And Say again, the school? Last oh. year, the rule yeah. in college okay. was from the offensive position, all you had to do was work to break down your opponent on the bottom. 
break them down. That that was it. It was it wasn't the the hey let's start working towards near fall or pin. However, this year's rule that's in there. So now the top person, top offensive wrestler, can get called for stalling. So yeah, do you address that? You have to. Mm-hmm. You have to address things like that. And those are all intricacies. And I want to go back to button up just uh, how you come into a, a school and get these things across. Because both Carlos and I have different approaches, as you just heard. And it's not to say either of us are right or wrong. We both have different perspectives. But our goals are the same. I would uh, tell new referees in earnest, your confidence is established pre-match. The way you go into the way you control the situation. And control, mm, for new people who have never had it, I've never had control before I became a referee. I became a referee before... I had any kids, and I was never um, personality-wise as a controlling person. I'm very fluid. You know, maybe I, I might control the aux as a DJ in a car, but even even still, I've learned to just give in and be like and be like water, like Bruce Lee says. But when you're an official, sometimes you can be power hungry and and be the control freak, and you can can become exacerbated, and you can be an asshole. Or you could just be somebody who doesn't know how to use it correctly. But you can also be somebody who, in earnest, wants to be a better referee, but you don't know how to take control of certain situations because that's just not your personality. Like I said, speaking from my experience, it took longer for me to get to a, a point where I know how to not only embrace the control that I did have, because you do have control and you need to maintain it. It is paramount to do this. You're going to be looked upon as the last bastion of control when, when when it becomes to adjudicate rules. You, you, you're you the one who's going to be trusted. And whether a coach agrees with you or not, you have to understand how your say is final. And you have to wear that in a way where you're like, you're not just faking it. You're confident in, in the decision that you made. And controlling the environment is a way for you to, in pre-match, to really gain life confidence too and be like, okay, I'm here. People are looking at me. This is my job. This is my job. I walked into the school and as a rule state, the moment you walk on to school grounds, it is your jurisdiction for better or worse. And you got to go in there. And if the mat's not down, you got to tell, hey, where's the mat not down? You know, you, you walk you walk into certain city schools. I won't name names, but you, you're the one who's got to be... You got to be the bad guy sometimes. You understand that being the bad guy is just being the bearer of bad news. It doesn't mean that you're the bad guy. It's just that bad news has to be delivered and you have to be the one to do it because other people won't. And the liability that comes with you not being able to embrace that, you better get with that soon because if you say no, if you allow a kid who has braces on and he doesn't have a, a mouth guard or you allow a kid who has got the skin thing that you can't un- you can't determine but you know, you don't, you don't want to be the guy to say, guy or the gal to say, no, you can't compete. Those are decisions that I've had to learn or I've had to, that I'm sure I have to learn that officiating forced me to be because I cared so much about the job that I don't want to lose it. And I cared so much about being better. And a few years in actually understanding how much this uh, trade has contributed to my life to be able to take control of situations and, and be and take ownership of it without being sort of like so laissez-faire when you can't afford to be. You can't afford to be laissez-faire as an official. You have to go in there and you have to administer absolute control. And one of the things that Carlos and I, no matter how different we are in our approach, 
everybody expects out of us because we have a reputation of upholding it. And my goals for this year are always that uh, wrestling offers a lot of control when you have to be the head referee, which I've been fortunate to be the last two years. And you have to refuse a kid because he doesn't have a mop guard. You know, so, sorry you showed up to a tournament, you know, that was a long drive distance. But if you have braces on your mouth, on your top teeth and your bottom teeth, you need a double mouth guard. You can't go out there without it. It is what it is. Yeah. And I know, you that's, know. A, that's daunting to a lot of new officials, but you got to get over that. And, and it's something that it's going to test your personality on top of your profession. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Something uh, you mentioned, you know, we, we tend to differentiate, you know, where we're at, right? You mentioned a few times. Yes, we, we, um, we, we probably started this avocation in New York City, but it doesn't really matter where, where we're serving, whether it's New York City, Westchester, if you're traveling and doing Connecticut or New Jersey, it doesn't really matter. You know, you're always working on something. So I don't identify myself as a New York City official. Wherever I'm going, I'm just an official, you know, and because I've, you know, been blessed to and fortunate to, to officiate on a collegiate level, you know, any, any given weekend, I could maybe start out in Pennsylvania and then work my way to New Jersey or, you know, be in New Jersey as I was on last Saturday. And then Sunday I'm in Long Island, you know, so it's, you know, you're, you, once you're an official, you're an official, you're an official, you're an official. And every time I'm working, every time, whether it's a high school level or as a collegiate level, I'm always, always working on something. So again, a big thing for me was, you know, in, in the goals was to kind of be be approachable. So I, I mean, I mean, and one of the things I do in my book, I write scenarios of things that could happen. Okay. And now, now the coach is coming to you for an answer and then, you know, how are you going to answer? How am I going to answer that? You know, and I write down what my response is and, and I practice that, you know, and I practice my mechanics, my signals in front of a mirror. So it becomes second nature. Fucking um, essence of beyond the rules, man. The, these are the things, but you know what, you know what, Stephen, this is the same approach that I, I used as a student athlete when, when I was in college, um, I, and back then, you know, the technology we had was a VCR and like, what the hell is a VCR? But I purchased a VCR, which had the slow motion feature. And if you watch my wrestling matches with me, you would get bored. Why? Because I would go back and slow mode the position where I lost, not the match, but the position. Yeah. And then I would draw it out. And the first thing I would do, I would get to practice 30 minutes before practice. And I'll grab a teammate and I'll, I'll tell my teammate, put me in that position and let me figure out how to get out. Or if they didn't, if I couldn't figure it out, I'll ask my coach, hey, I was in this position. How do I get out of it? And then I would just build on that. Right. Mm -hmm. So now every time I did that, I grew and, and I did that all season long. And ultimately that got me to the national semifinals you know so but that's the same approach i watch a lot of my videos um and and the person i was working with on sunday he saw me it was he and i were working two-on-one and two-on-one say his name his name was matt out of connecticut and um shout out to matt from connecticut yeah he, he's awesome dude awesome official and um, so he saw me recording. He said, hey, you mind recording a few of my matches? I 
not a problem. I'm gonna record it. I'll 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 go ahead and and split it, and I will upload it, and then you can download it. And he, not knowing technology well, he said, "Can you email to me?" I'm like, "No, you can't eat those files are too. They're too. They're huge." You should have been like, go, "Not a problem." <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh. Yeah, so I, I upload it, you know, into my uh, cyberspace and then give him access to those videos. But, you know, those are the types of things that you have to do if you want to get better. I don't proclaim to know everything, but that was a big challenge for myself. And again, it's not just for that particular being approachable. It's not just it's not just wrestling. It's also baseball and football. Football is harder because I'm in the middle of the field. No coach is going to come to me in the middle of the field to ask me why I called holding or something that happened. Yeah. So, All yeah. sports present um, their, uh, and as I talked to, first of all, shout out to referencing the first episode that we recorded together where you talked about your VCR and your slow motion skills. And also shout out to the Will Jeffries episode that we recorded about football where I learned that, you know, you each specialize in your own positioning and certain positions like Will Jeffries on the line can allow you to interact more with a coach versus you in the middle of the goddamn field. But um, one of the things I I, I was talking to uh, New York officials, uh, shout out to Leon Cruset, who fucking A, I always see his improvement as a uh, wrestling official every year. And this is a guy who never wrestled, but he wanted to get involved in wrestling and then he signed up pre-covid and he didn't really get a season and the covid happened and then we got our bullshit half a season but he took it upon himself to go to jujitsu and at least learn some of the grappling arts which i'm not saying jujitsu is going to teach you wrestling it's not because it's just different it's just different but it will make you appreciate anticipation and, and actual danger or just resistance versus aggression that wrestling offers, you know, that, that pull versus pull versus push that wrestling offers on a direct level of sports. You know, we can see it in football, defense, offense, but it's one-on-one -on -one in wrestling and that anticipation that you need to have as a wrestling official, it's not something that at least we have in baseball, you know, in baseball, you're taught to let the play come to you. You got to, be patient. You don't really change your positioning based on anticipation because you think the play is going to happen. You get into position to look at the play as it unfolds and you get the best view of it. For wrestling, you have to anticipate it. You have to go around the head properly if you see a half coming in or you got to know where the guy's going to take the guy down. And it's honestly hard to do that without doing the sport as we did or watching the sport as we do. You know, shout out to Leon again for somebody who who's never done that. And Daniel Gonzalez, shout out to him. I asked him as a second year referee, third year referee. I'm like, how's your back? Because I know he's like six foot, whatever. He's like, oh, my back, you know, it's been, you know, it hurts a little sometimes. I was like, I know you're leaning down. I knew as a new referee, you, you get too close. And all my goals are this year. I was talking about goals and we'll, we'll switch subjects after this. We'll talk about stalling. Get a little granular about stalling. A goal of mine this year is to um, specifically when it comes to match and uh, match stuff is to stop making the one second call for my near fall. I don't know why, but I feel amateur amateurish. Now it doesn't happen all the time, but then there's sometimes where I'm like I make the the signal, 
And it's like you could have held that a little longer. And I, I know the optics are more in my head than they are on the on the level of actual people viewing because I'm a good fucking ref. But it's still something that bothers me. So I'm just trying to like keep my hand a little more pinned when it comes to back points and let there be like a reaction time sort of before I start swinging my hand. And for newer referees, a good way to slow your call down is to, if you're down on a mat, touch the mat and then touch the air and make a full extension. And usually if you do that in a calm manner, that's your one Mississippi to Mississippi movement. So take that for what you will. But um, let's get into stalling. And uh, I'll go right away. As far as, far as talking to coaches, I talked to the coaches recently, um, John Stone and Gary White. And as I talked to anybody about stalling referees, it's something that you, at least on the varsity high school level, I feel like you got to establish a little more earlier, especially because you got a warning. Right. But there's obvious stall points where there's no judgment. If a wrestler just backs out of the circle, stall, call a stall. If a wrestler gets pushed out of the circle, and you can see that the, even though the wrestler's prodding them and making them going forward, but they're just pushing them out of bounds, that person's stalling. If the, a person shoots and the person does a circle continuously, to, they're avoiding wrestling. You, you, and we go back to what we were saying earlier about our pre match. If you're if you're neutral, you got to get a takedown. If you got the takedown, you got to work for points, for back points, and to pin. And if you're on bottom, you got to work for the escape or the reversal. So in these identifying points, what is something that like you both talk to teams on the pre-match, and then you look out for yourself on the mat, so you can call stalling, because it is a very judgmental thing, and sometimes you might have to explain, or it is something that. If you didn't call in a right pattern, you might fuck yourself up, right? Like so, like if you didn't call stalling when the guy was backing up at a certain amount of time, and then in the second period, you realize there's a lot of load zero zero, and then the other guy starts taking back steps. If you didn't call stalling on the other guy who's backing up for a minute and fifty seconds, and the other guy starts backing up, you might have to wait a minute and fifty seconds before you call that stall. It might fuck with you in that way. Oh, to make to make it like a fair type of thing. Yes, exactly. Right, like that stalling <laughs> kind of goes that way. So I'm just saying, like, what is, what is something that you do to at least encourage wrestlers to not stall because that's what we want to do, preventive officiating, or also where you can make a, a clear signal and, and be just more confident in in your stall calls. Yeah. So that's a very good question. Stalling is a very subjective part of the match. And um, so you can't make up calls for something that you should have maybe considered early in the match. Later on in the match, something happens and you're trying to play, play it fair. No, you have to call it as if it's happening right there in real time in the future or for the present, what's happening. And so that's a big part of the wrestling part, but that it goes back, right? I make I, at least in my brain. I think I make it simple. I think it's pretty pretty clear if from the uh, offense defense position, top and bottom, if the top man is not working to score or working to actively get a breakdown and come out to the side, then then he's perceived as stalling. On the bottom, if he is broken down and his head is on a mat and he's not working to a base, to you could see the movements to sit out and try to get a reversal or try to get an escape, then you that's clear. That's very clear. Um, it's not uncommon where you're going to have a match where it's going to be 2-1 to one or it's going to be 1-1 one, one going into overtime. 
It's it's not uncommon. It it, it happens. If I see a pattern of somebody going to the edge, um, and I see those steps, first three steps are going back. I, I'm going to call stalling and put some fire on them. And once you do that, then he's it's going to alleviate the problem because he's going to start to, or he or she will start to move forward or circle a little bit more. And I feel like um, exactly that. You can explain to a coach that there's a pattern of stalling. And, you know, sometimes you get inexperienced wrestlers, higher weight class wrestlers, which is two glaciers running at each other. And I don't know if you've seen glaciers move. It would be a fast run. It's it, The match is just stalled. And to adjudicate that can challenge you. So, like you were saying, if there's a pattern of uh, stalling, that could be your way, I won't say out, but it could be a way to your, explain to a coach why you made that. Because coaches will question stalling is one of the more judgmental calls that we have to make. Can't question judgment. Sure, you can't question judgment, but it is going to be the one that's going to be audibly challenged. Maybe they're not bringing you to the table. And you have to pick your spots. If you're confident in your call, understand that a coach is going to disagree with it audibly. You got to really... That's it, fair. That's fair. No, I'm saying that's... You know, and I say that too because I was affected. Truth be told, recently, I prefaced talking about stall, but I let a minute and 50 go by before I called the stall. And it kind of affected my mindset for the match where now I have to sort of give the same principles to, to the other person if it was a stall. And I called a stall on one team and it just, it made me think about too much what a stall was instead of just being automatic about it. And it's hard to be automatic about judgment calls. It really is. It's hard to be automatic about judgment calls. And it's sort of like a, a breaking ball for us in, in wrestling where you, did it hit that corner? Did it, did it do the job? Or is that what you're seeing? Did you see a stall? Did you see the guy take a bunch of steps? And how many shots did the other guy take? And to explain that, it can be something where you'd be like, well, this is accumulated. I mean, something's got to happen. And you have that warning, young wrestlers who are listening. Give that warning out. Establish it. But establish it in a, in a succinct way where you can explain your... not. And I don't say explain yourself to a coach. You don't always have to explain yourself to a coach. You should be able to. But I mean, explain it to yourself in your own head. Because if it doesn't make sense to you then you're never going to be able to explain it to a coach where it makes sense to them. It's got to make sense to you first. But remember, um, and, and again, we got to keep the flow of the match going. And I think, yes, you have to be approachable. But if they're bringing you over to the table to talk about, you know, you got to know what, you know, um, if it's um, something with a rule or points, you know, misapplication of rule or correction mm -hmm. of points, you know, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to really hurt you, but if it's something else to bring it to the table, you got to hit the, the misconduct because yeah. it's it's interrupting the flow of the match. I don't even sort of necessarily mean bring you to the table. I mean the the noise that will happen while you're in a match. Officials, old, new, you got to have hear everything, listen what you need to listen to, and even though a coach is saying stalling, stalling, they're, they're asking you to call a stall or they're asking why they're not necessarily asking you they're asking the the match they're they're you're a part of it and your confidence and your poise is going to answer that for them and if they keep going in a way that is hindering you you got to be very selective about that in my experience and i'm sure in your experience 
and our reputation, to be fair. Coaches will will do that, but they're not – you can understand they're not questioning you. And I think as a, new, a younger official, when you hear outside things from parents and from coaches, you might think that they're questioning directly you. You have to understand how they're looking at things. And your approach is paramount to answering them, whether they take the answer then or later, but they're going to accept it somehow. Yeah, and, I mean I- – and I also think, you know, to answer that, you know, I, so my perspective, right, is I have a, a lot of perspectives, right? And maybe I don't talk about it here on this platform, but I was a high school coach. I was a college uh, head coach. You know, I'm a referee. I was an athlete. Went to college. Shout out. Yeah. Yeah. It was great experience. And Yeshiva when, when they had a team. But uh, Do you forget that we filmed the first episode about your bio, bro? Everybody knows this. Come on. Yeah, yeah. We got about I, but, over 120 listeners to listen to that episode, bro. That, that was, that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, I, I'm bringing that up not to 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 highlight, um, you know, and put out there that, hey, I was this big coach. I think that the reason why I'm saying that is for perspective, right? The way I think some of these coaches react, I think, can get kind of crazy. Me as a coach, I never did that. I would coach my kid, and I would say things loud enough, right? So I wouldn't say, that's stalling, that's stalling. I would say, hey, keep working. He's gonna, we're going to get him. He's going to get called eventually. Just keep working forward. Keep pushing. You're pushing the pace. You know, you're you're taking great shots, you know? Those are th- I would say things like that. The and anti beat him. What? Who said that? <laughs> hey, look, I, that's you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think the, the you know, Would he is, deny is that? Coach. I mean- would he? I I don't would, know, but I I think he's a no, good he, coach. Just he, no, of course he, I didn't. I'm not questioning his coaching. It's just mm-hmm. that it, it is the opposite of that. And and you're absolutely right. That is a, the same fucking thing. It is keep walking. Like if the guy, if the referee's not calling stall, you're gonna be annoyed. But you can rather be annoyed in the way that I would select. Maybe uh, sure. I would select on most occasions. Hey, keep going, keep going. He's gonna call stall. He's stalling. He's still, you know, like put it on the 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 wrestler. But you see how the- you're saying stalling? I I again again I would say like, hey, just keep working. You're working. You're taking you're taking all the action. Keep working. Hey, he's he's getting to the edge. You're almost scoring. And yeah. I would put well, that. I know. I'm saying like the bridge. There. I would. I, I've not had the same experiences, but I'm saying in the middle. In the middle, you were you're you're saying the one thing. And I would say, hey, keep going, keep going. He's stalling, he's stalling. Whereas Pete Ham would be like, and shout out to Pete Ham. I love you, Brody. And if you're listening and you have a complaint, then that means you're fucking listening. I love you. No, but he would be like, hey, he's stalling, he's stalling. And he's talking to you as a referee. He is talking to you as a referee. And I'm just saying to to all referees, whether you get Carlos Domo, whether you get me, who's hypothesizing how I'd be in the middle where I'd be like, Hey, just keep going. You know, keep walking forward. He's obviously stalling. He's obviously stalling. And I I would say it in a way, I'd be like, hey, does everybody know he's fucking stalling? Ref, do something. Where I'm telling it to, I'm directing to my wrestler. Whereas Pete Ham would be like, hey, fucking ref, he's stalling. Not in that I don't way. know. I, I, well, I, Not I wouldn't way. say no, Pete I've, 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 I've never had that. I've never had that with Pete, ever. Like, no. <laughs> I can't vouch for that. Ref will tell you, Pete will tell you. Hey, he's stalling. His head is down. I mean, I'm saying that from experience. But wow. regardless, regardless, I would I will say this. Pete has never told me a wrestler was stalling where they probably weren't stalling. You know, 
whether we're stalling on my judgment at that moment where I'm going to, it's like an MMA, right? I would say Pete has never said somebody was knocked out when they weren't knocked out. But to me, you know, you got to see where it is. It's my judgment, whether they can work their way out of that knockout, whether they can work that way out of stall, whether top man is riding parallel, but I see the half is coming. And, you know, and, and the Safaro guy on bottom, he's probably is stalling to him. That's okay. He is stalling to him. He is stalling to him. But he's not stalling to me because I see that he's about to do that. You're, Pete Ham doesn't give a fuck what the other wrestler is about to do. He just worries about what he's not doing. And I understand that. And that goes back into understanding what coaches look at, you know, and and being able to talk to them in that way where I would tell Pete, yeah, if I had that conversation, be like, yeah, he, he was probably stalling, but not enough to be called for stalling. Okay. You know, there's just ways you can. And, and, and that's how I would talk to him. Other coaches, they wouldn't present that way where I figure out how to talk to them. But there's the other side where, you know, Pete Ham is very, he's got a, a tried and true program at my senior Farrell with the history that speaks for itself. And you have to talk to him a lot as much as sometimes you have to talk to some programs who don't know shit because you want to inform them. And I will take the opportunity to inform them. I'm not going to be a dick. And if somebody doesn't know and they're questioning me, if they're questioning me and as if they know more than me, uh, that's one thing. But I, I encourage referees who do know what they know don't go beyond your britches if you know something and somebody else doesn't know it recognize that they're not questioning you recognize that they're just questioning it and you have an opportunity to inform them and when you inform other coaches you make it easier for coaches down the line because an informed coach is a coach less likely to bother unless you're pete ham who will always do that i love you pete yeah <laughs> So, um, so with that being said, you know, I think, you know, we, we always have something to work on and, you know, I would encourage, you know, all listeners who are officials in every, any capacity, you know, write down what's your goal, what are you chasing, you know, let that be your vision and work to that vision and then set your mindset, you know, you got to set the mission and, and it's got to be something that's helping you achieve a goal, but also helping to motivate others. And I think mm -hmm. um, that's going to bring out the leader in, in each individual because every there's a, everyone has leadership in them. It's just know that um, whatever you're chasing, you got to do something to towards that, to obtain that goal every, you know, every single day. You know, I, I made a mission to myself, a goal um, that I want to be, you know, you got to tell yourself, Stephen, if you feel you're the best referee in New York, you got to tell yourself that and you got to believe that. And I wouldn't take offense to that. No one. That's how you feel. That's going to motivate you to continue to develop, you know, and you and you walk with that, walk with that presence, you know, that you are the best referee. My goal was every tournament I'm in, whether it's a it doesn't matter what level that I'm, I'm working, I've earned and I've done enough to show you know, the, the official that, hey, I, I, I got to be on, on one of the finals. I got to be a whistle. Got to be got to be one of those guys working a final. And uh, making sure that if I missed something that, you know, something that maybe I kind of questioned whether it was uh, not beyond reaction time and, you know, they felt there was a takedown and I felt it wasn't because beyond reaction time, like all those things I'm cleaning up um, and near fall, right? Um 
you know, last week I, I had an opportunity where, you know, one of one of the uh, not going to say any names, but he he's uh, a mentor to me. And I've said it before. So if, if I'm not saying his name this time, but I had two individuals who are high, high level collegiate officials and they gave me some pointers and right into the book, writing it down. And I made the correction right, right away. He said, one thing I want you to do, just one thing. And I did that. And I did that to someone this year. I said, one thing, just use the stop sign. Stop the stop mm -hmm. sign all the time. Use mm -hmm. it 100%. And it was the one thing that I was told to work on for the duration of the um, of the event. Definitely something and, I've um, been working on this year, too. Yeah. Using Especially like out sign. of bounds. Stop and then go out of bounds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so... You know, it, it's it's a fun season right now. I, I'm excited uh, for what's to come. You know, I have a, a few events this weekend. I have a few events I'm excited about. And uh, one of them is working one of the tournaments that was a premier collegiate tournament called the Wilkes Tournament and uh, hosted by Wilkes, uh, Wilkes University um, in, in Wilkes-Barre, PA. They're going to have the 90th, 90th, tournament the 90th annual tournament wow 90th so the, it's like, as old oh as my you gosh are. yeah okay <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and even if i was even if i were that number you know i don't use the old word so everyone who's listening i don't use the old word i use words like classic esteemed distinguished you know um handsome handsome that's a good one uh <laughs> my birthday is in february so i have a few months to think about what it's going to be the next word and and that's you know you keep it you keep it light you keep it young okay. but I don't use the O word. It's my last year in my thirties, so. Well, be forty in July. Well, if you want to consider yourself old, it's up to you. I think that's that's to each his own. I but, I just don't categorize myself with the O word. You know, old is a old is a term in context, right? Because um, I'll use old when it, when it's in comparison to wisdom, but otherwise you can fucking keep your old. Uh, <laughs> Not my old. I don't use that word. No, not you. Sorry, I'm but... just saying you can keep it. I'm not old. We're not old. I, I know I'm not. We're wizen. You know, I, I know I know a lot of people who are, you know, in their in their twenties and thirties who they've, they've been old are, forever. Who who have all kind of you know, and, and maybe it's their fault, maybe it's not, I don't know, but like they they have some they're banged up. Like I, for me, I don't have any knock on table, knock on wood. I don't have any problems. Well, I'm physically. not even talking about physical ailments because my fucking knee, dude, it's whack. I'm talking about mindset. Uh, granted, I got a six pack, and I've been working out. Shout out to your boy. But so you trying to sh sh trying to show me off here on the podcast, dude? <laughs> Well, you, can, you can fuck me up, so it's all right. Um, <laughs> my buddy, my buddy, my buddy, who was a basketball guy, he said to me the other day, "Oh, you're just mad because you got fat arms." I said, "No, stop it. I I don't have fat arms. I'm out of shape for me, for where I. But my arms and my legs, no, nah, no, nah, they're they're solid. Hey, you know, right. I I don't. There's no wiggle listen, when I have listen, my arms. There's no wiggle in there. Round is still a shape. Don't worry about it." <laughs> I'm telling you, there's, uh, no, there's no, oh man, now you're gonna have me. I was gonna talk show. more about wrestling, but you know what? Now, now we have gonna... to go ahead and show the gun show. Oh, it's shit. not as lean as it used to be, but there's no fat in there. Look at that. Look at oh. that. Wow, it's not, it's not as lean. That, wow, look at that. 
There's Benson? no wiggle in there. Oof. There's no wiggle in there. Get out of here. This is an audio fucking only podcast, but I'm not. You started to, it. I'm just start, finishing it. We're gonna start a Playboy. How about this? Look at this. Ah, well, okay. I'm not. I'm not gonna do that. That's probably <laughs> for me. <laughs> There's some wiggle in there. Um, There's some wiggle in there. But I. But but hey, I can move around because as an umpire, when I'm refereeing football, I'm running with those dudes. I ain't got no problems with my knees. I am good. Oh, I am my blessed. Knees are fucked up. I am um, blessed. Okay, I'm I, blessed. I put it to the mic and here. Good. Has anybody turned this shit off yet? Because if you haven't, I love you. Everybody, we will do more frequently. I will promise you that. Because this wrestling season is big. It's big for Beyond the Rules. I started promoting Beyond the Rules during last year's base, uh, wrestling season. And then I came out with, during the baseball season. Carlson, I'm going to make more time for you because I know you love us. And we've got a couple of coaches coming up. Dave Bloom, John Jashone, John McGarry, and John... Corey, that's Mod Haven, Tomville, and Eagle Academy, respectively. Three Johns and a Dave. Love them all. They're going to come on the podcast shortly. And um, thank you for listening because um, it's wrestling season, baby. And get anticipate. Get into position. Get into position. And, yeah, that's what she said. Boom. <laughs>